to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. I'm glad I, we have a step here because I'm short. And I, when I saw the pulpit, I said, oh, no, I'm going <laughs> to. So that is great. Um, it's great to be here with you. And I bring you greetings from uh, Bishop uh, Mike and the rest of the cool staff that we have at the Texas Hosanna Gulf Synod. And uh, I wish we all could be here enjoying this wonderful day. It was a nice ride this morning, by the way. Enjoy it very much. Grace and peace are yours from God our Father and from His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I was reading a story uh, about uh, <laughs> and that last one that you said about, you know, if you want to go, what is it, take me out for uh, tonight for dinner or whatever you find, uh, then you're having a bad day if you have a sandwich out. This reminds me of that one. Anyway, I was reading this, this story about... Uh, uh, bank robbery and where the robber his mask fell off and he put it back on real quick and looked at the man and said did you see my face and he said yeah and then bah, shot him oh man and then he turned around and saw a woman did you see my face he said no but my husband did <laughs> whoa <laughs> so this uh, this morning this gospel we can talk about marriage quite some time, especially when the gospel started it, right? I mean, and Jesus, you know, when he heard this story uh, that these people were bringing, the Sadducees were bringing to him, if it was today, Jesus would say like, seven, uh-huh, and her name was Snow White, right? Or something like that, you know? <laughs> because, like, what a story. Come on. Obviously... It was a trick question, and as you know, the, the teachers of the law and all those people wanted to catch Jesus in something. They really wanted to get him. So this was a, a test for Jesus. Now, the Sadducees were, in a sense, they were almost like a sect. Um, they were um, very caught up in the Torah, in the Five first uh, books of the of the Hebrew Scripture, or what we call the Old Testament, now, and uh, they didn't last that long after they, it really was a sect. And and it's in order to understand a little bit about it, is we know that it, in every religion we have all kinds of spectrums, right? And we have extreme to the right, extreme to the left, and then we have everything in between. That happens. I mean, that's why, like in Christianity, we have so many denominations, right? From Roman Catholicism, and even in Roman Catholicism, there's a whole bind. I mean, not everybody's the same. We cannot say that all the Roman Catholics are one way, you know? And, and, uh, in the same way, Pentecostals or whatever, you're just like, we're, we're different. We're all different. Not to mention Lutherans. Oh, no, we're all the same, aren't we? We have our variations. So this group was 
was, I would say, an extreme. And like it happens also in the Muslim world, the same thing. We have those that really are working hard for peace, and we have those that are, you know, putting bombs in their bodies to set them off. We have everything. So this was one extreme of that group, and I can't imagine what kind of face would Jesus put when he was there and these people come in. Oh, boy, here we go. And then they ask this question. They did not believe that there was any heaven or hell. They didn't, actually, they didn't even believe that there was any afterlife. Because, according to them, in the Torah, there was nothing really about uh, anything like that. So they didn't believe it. So this question was so tricky because it had to do about, well, okay, about that marriage here, we get married, what about over there? So Jesus, instead of really saying, yeah, that's Snow White, wasn't it? Instead of saying that, instead of making fun of them, he went and met them exactly where they were. He didn't ridicule them. He just made a straight answer and talked to them. Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. You know, we're kind of like a, like angels or something, and we're not going to have that need for 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 the because marriage is something so physical and so, so that that need that we have as people. And that's not going to happen. We will have something completely different over there. It's a different type of feeling, different type of life. So he met them there and said that. And by the way, since they were so caught up in the Torah, then he goes on and talked to them about the Torah. By the way, you guys maybe didn't say it in between the lines, but you guys don't think that there's nothing after us. Well, let me remind you. That when Moses was in the desert, and it's written in the Torah, that God said right there, it says, um, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, he is a God, not of the dead, but of the living. For him... For to him, all of them are alive. In other words, you guys are wrong. He didn't say it, you know. God says that they are alive. So if they're alive, they're somewhere else. And there is a place. Another dimension, you name it, whatever. You name it, however you want to call it. Call it heaven if you want. But there is something else after this life. That's a, a big hope that we have. And Jesus was presenting it to them. Now, the interesting thing is, I want to go back to these people. Because later on in the same chapter, Jesus continues and warns his disciples about people just like those. About those religious leaders. He called them hypocrites. That they like to be seen in public, like to dress really nice, beautiful dresses and stuff, expensive stuff, 
so that people would see them. And actually, they were they were really tough in the whole thing about taxes, and taxes and and and, and to the temple, and things like that. They were kind of like really exploiting the people. They really didn't have a heart for the poor, for the needy. They were just very being very selfish. Now, do we have anything like that today? Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, when we talk about who we are, every time we talk, I don't know about Pastor Paul, but for me, every time I say I'm a pastor, huh, you get either rolls of eyes or who knows what, you know, because the experience that a lot of people have had may not be the best. As a matter of fact, I remember one day I was visiting somebody in the hospital and I was in the elevator coming down with my Bible and dressed as a penguin, you know, with my black color and every my color and everything. And and uh, one man, there were two people, in the, a man and a woman, and uh, in the, in the hospital. And then one said, like, "Well, it's so nice that you guys come and come and pray for the people." And then the lady said, "Like, I won't comment." So she she could see how bitter whatever her reaction was. Each one of us comes to this experience with spiritual leaders from a different perspective. A lot of our churches are going down and we're losing a lot of people because a lot of people have been disappointed, disenchanted by a lot of religious leaders. And as you know, one of the most popular comments that people say they always were hitting us with getting us more money and give more money and money and money. And I just heard just this past week I was looking on Facebook and some of my friends were commenting about a popular Latino uh, preacher that I, he happens to be a really good musician as well that I admire. But he was talking about money and money and money. And he was saying, and I tell my son, you're going to be a millionaire. You kind of like, I kind of like that in my fundamentalist thing. Yeah! You know, huh? Say amen! Amen! <laughs> we have those kind of people. But now, I understand that you guys are going to be reflecting on your stewardship. So I'm not here to hit you on the head with the Bible about you guys gotta give more money to the church. That's not it. However, we do have a church. And we still love the Lord. Yes, we have been probably disappointed by what some religious leaders have done. And will continue to do, unfortunately, in any denomination. But the whole point is then, why should we give? Why do we give if we have those people that are going to who knows what? As a matter of fact, I think it twice when I go to the supermarket and I'm going to buy beer. And I like beer with German people. But then I say, like, ah, these, the money that I'm going to use to buy beer comes from the offering plates of the people that are giving. I depend completely on the church. So not that I don't buy the beer. I just watch out. <laughs> I be careful. Because I have to be a steward. I have to be responsible for the money of the Lord. Because when we give, we give to the Lord. We're not giving 
to the church. We're not giving to Angel of Joy. We're not giving to the salary. We're not giving to pay the bills, to pay lights and stuff like that. Our stewardship is strictly, directly with the mission of the church. And I encourage you, if you don't have one, look into what is a narrative missional budget, which is really cool. And then when you have your meetings, you know, you can't, you still have, have to have your line by line budgets and stuff like that. But if you have it in percentages of what is it that we're doing, what a cool thing. You will be receiving a packet from, from our synod where it has the, the narrative, um, missional budget of the ELCA and the narrative, uh, budget of, uh, missional budget of the, of our synod. And you will see exactly the percentages of how it goes. It's, it makes sense when we see that what we give goes to the mission and goes back. You guys give also, when you give in, in the offering plate, you give a percentage that goes to the Senate office and half of that goes straight to, to the ELCA headquarters and in turn makes us a, a chain, makes us a, a network of congregations working together. And what happens with that percentage that goes, like a 10% that we encourage the congregations to go, then we can have new starts. And, and that's one of the things. I made a big report for tomorrow that I'm meeting with the, the three bishops in Austin, and we're going to talk about some new starts and the, the strategies that we're going to do. And with them, and, and always comes like, well, how much money do we have to start new, new churches, new congregations, new ministries? And it all depends on that mission support that the congregations are giving, that we together can do it and report back. We have, like St. James Lutheran Church in in um, in, in, in Houston, that last the, the, about a year and a half ago, there were only about 14 people left in worship. We had to do something, a redevelopment and revitalizing, and we did. We did with the help of all the congregations together. And now they, the last report, I think it was uh, 75 people in worship in a year. It's turning around. Thanks for the generosity of people like you. And not to mention abroad, in Peru and the CAR and in other places that we do and how we also have a representation in Washington uh, with uh, many of the institutions that advocate, that do a lot of advocacy for justice as we fulfill our baptismal uh, commitment. Isn't that beautiful? That's wonderful. So as you prepare yourselves for giving to the Lord, not to the Sadducees, not to, to any religious whatever, but to God. Think about all what it means. And I have one more thing to say for me to close. Please, please pray for those officials. Name it the, the financial committee or the, the, the treasurers and the council. Pray for them as they make decisions about the money that belongs to God. It's quite a responsibility. We, we receive this and say, like, oh Lord, we have to make some decisions on behalf of the congregation how we're going to do a budget. 
How are we going to go about our mission? How we go about to who we are in the world and in this community? We are not a country club that we pay fees and because we're members. No, we are the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, then we give. We give because it's a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual practice. It brings us joy to be generous. We don't want to, nobody, nobody wants to raise kids that are stingy, do we? We always want them to grow up as generous, thankful people. And we do that by giving example. So may God bless you as you uh, think about your stewardship this year. God bless all those that are going to make those decisions. And I encourage you to make a narrative missional budget for this year. And uh, all of this will bring glory to our Lord, who's compassionate and loves us and cares for us. My pleasure of being here with you this morning. God bless. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.